0: Hello, welcome to a Harney's Restructuring Team podcast. I'm Jason Wood, and I'm head of restructuring here in Cayman, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Jessica Williams, who's a partner in the team. Welcome, Jessica, and thanks for coming.
1: Thanks, Jason.
0: Now, the purpose of today's podcast is to look at some of the Cayman law issues, which can and usually will arise in the context of a US Chapter 11 debt restructuring of a Cayman Islands company, so that the company's US attorneys can take those issues into account at the planning stage. I should say that today will only be a general overview, but we will be producing a series of masterclass articles providing a more detailed analysis of some of the specific points we'll be making today. So if you're interested, you might wanna keep an eye out for those articles. Okay, now the obvious starting point, Jess, is why do you even need to have regard to Cayman Islands legal issues at all when you're restructuring a company which carries on business in the US and which is clearly subject to the jurisdiction of the US courts? Won't a Chapter 11 plan, which has been blessed by the U.S. courts, simply be locked in place and enforceable globally?
1: Well, I wish it were that simple, Jason, but Cayman has not adopted the UNSITRAW model law, and there is no statutory gateway for recognition of a foreign law restructuring. So what that means is that a U.S. restructuring might be vulnerable to attack in the Cayman Islands, and to state the obvious, the company's place of incorporation is the last place that you want problems arising.
0: Yes, quite right. What you definitely don't want is the smooth implementation of a Chapter 11 plan being disrupted by a dissenting creditor taking action in the Cayman Islands. And in my experience, there are two opportunities for a disgruntled creditor to cause problems, either at the front end while the company's still undertaking negotiations with creditors, or at the back end after the plan's been confirmed.
1: So approaching this chronologically, what steps can or should the company take to prevent or at least minimise the risk of US restructuring being derailed in Cayman before it's confirmed in the US?
0: Well, the obvious way for a descending creditor to derail restructuring, because it wants to either improve its negotiating position or because it gains some other advantage if the compromise doesn't go ahead, is to petition to wind up the company in the Cayman Islands on the grounds that the company's insolvent. Alternatively, the creditor may also sue the company in the Cayman Islands for payment of the debt. And this can be problematic because ordinarily, A Cayman entity in the structure will be the holding company, and so it will have assets in the form of the shares that it holds in the trading subsidiaries.
1: But doesn't the moratorium, which comes into effect with a Chapter 11 filing, cover off that problem, doesn't that prevent creditors from commencing proceedings in the Cayman Islands?
0: Unfortunately, it doesn't. The short answer is that the Chapter 11 moratorium, although it's expressed to have extraterritorial effect. It isn't recognised or enforced in the Cayman Islands, basically because the principle that it's not for a foreign court to tell the Cayman court how to run its cases. Now, if the dissenting creditor is based in the US and is subject to the jurisdiction of the US courts, this might not be a problem because the creditor will be bound by the Chapter 11 stay and steps can be taken in the US. But the risk of proceedings being commenced against the company in Cayman, this vulnerability does need to be considered by US restructuring attorneys right at the start of the Chapter 11. Just to make sure things don't go pear-shaped down the track simply because a protective step was missed at the outset. Jess, I know you've had a lot to do with these cases where preemptive protective measures have been taken in Cayman so as to complement the negotiation of a Chapter 11 restructuring.
1: Yes, and the way to protect the company from attack by a dissenting creditor in the Cayman Islands while the restructuring is being negotiated in the US is to apply here for the appointment of restructuring provisional liquidators to the company. The way it works is is that um, once restructuring provisional liquidators are appointed, the Cayman statutory moratorium is triggered so as to prevent proceedings being bought or continued against the company in the Cayman Islands.
0: Provisional liquidators, that doesn't sound too good. It kind of immediately makes you think that the company is being liquidated.
1: Yeah, I agree that the use of the term provisional liquidators does conjure up negative connotations. But fortunately, the Cayman legislation will very likely changed soon to rebadge these appointees as restructuring officers so that may make a difference with perception.
0: Now that all sounds fine but how difficult is it to have restructuring provisional liquidators appointed? I mean as with all restructurings it's all about the money. Is an application cost prohibitive?
1: It's actually a pretty straightforward application and it's routinely used to support chapter 11 restructurings. The gateway for having restructuring provisional liquidators appointed is that you need to demonstrate two things. First, that the company is unable to pay its debts, which will be pretty easy in the circumstances, and secondly, that it intends presenting a compromise or arrangement to its creditors. Now, the company doesn't have to show that a proposed deal is already in existence, or that they already have a good number of creditors on board. Um, It is sufficient to show that the company generally intends to present a compromise to its creditors, And in a practical sense, a filing under Chapter 11 is enough to get that across the line. So the gateway isn't a difficult one. And as a result, the legal costs are relatively low. And once restructuring provisional liquidators are appointed, they're usually only given light touch powers, so an oversight role. So their fees usually aren't very high in the scheme of things either.
0: So in a way, if there's any doubt at all, it makes sense both practically and commercially Chapter 11 restructuring to receive the protection of a Cayman Islands moratorium, that is for Cayman Islands restructuring provisional liquidators to hold the ring here while the US attorneys and advisors do their thing.
1: Yes, it does. But although it plugs the hole during the negotiation stage of the Chapter 11 process, it doesn't protect the effectiveness of the Chapter 11 plan in Cayman once it's confirmed by the US courts.
0: Yes, quite right, Jess. Once the plan's confirmed, the restructuring provisional liquidators drop out of the picture, along with the Cayman moratorium.
1: And there's still a risk of dissenting creditors taking action in Cayman after the plan is, is confirmed, isn't there?
0: Yeah, there is, Jess. And as we touched on at the start of this podcast, I don't have the, we don't have the model law here, and there isn't any statutory gateway for recognition of foreign restructurings. So the question becomes, what risk is there of a disgruntled creditor derailing the restructuring And what can be done to close off that risk? Or put another way, do you take steps to entrench the plan in Cayman through a parallel restructuring? Or are you comfortable to leave a vacuum here?
1: So what should US restructuring attorneys be looking for when deciding whether or not to leave a vacuum in Cayman? I mean, it's an important decision, given that a company's place of incorporation is really where it's most vulnerable.
0: Well, as to the risk of derailment, Jess, the Gibbs rule is front and centre. And I'm sure that most, if not all, of the people listening into this podcast will know the Gibbs Rule. But basically what it says is that a debt governed by a particular choice of law can't be discharged or compromised by a foreign insolvency proceeding unless the creditor agrees to be bound by that foreign proceeding. So, for example, if you have a loan that's expressed to be governed by the laws of Hong Kong, it can only be compromised by the Hong Kong courts. Now, the Gibbs Rule is currently good law in the Cayman Islands off the back of the recent China Lumina decision handed down in February this year. And I say currently because although there are arguments against the application of the rule that I won't go into, you and I, Jess, represented the company at the hearing, and you might recall that we weren't instructed to oppose the rule, so there hasn't been robust argument against the application of the rule. So having regard to the Gibbs rule in a US Chapter 11 context, if the Chapter 11 is quarantined within the US, so if the company carries on business in the US and if all of its creditors have US law-governed debts, and are based in the US, that means they can be kept in line by the US courts. And so I would have thought it would be an acceptable risk in those circumstances to simply stick with the Chapter 11 plan and not bother taking additional protective steps in Cayman.
1: But what if it's not?
0: The reality is that doing parallel restructurings in the country of the law of the debt and in the place of incorporation does give maximum effectiveness and recognition to the restructuring. So if a Chapter 11 is complemented by a Cayman Islands scheme of arrangement, any risk of the restructuring being being derailed down the track, or even creditors just causing headaches for the company with useless and meritless applications, is minimised to virtually zero. So in a sense, it's a matter of whether a US restructuring attorney wants to lock in the compromise up front with a parallel scheme of arrangement, or whether he or she wishes to wait and see if any creditors do try to cause trouble down the track, And if they do, then fight that when it comes up. The answer as to whether to run a US and a Cayman restructuring in parallel really comes down to the company's or the attorney's risk appetite. As I said before, Jess, if the chapter 11 is entirely insular to the US, and if disgruntled creditors looking to cause trouble in Cayman can be knocked on the head by the US courts, you're probably okay to do nothing in Cayman. But if not, then serious consideration should be given to protecting the restructuring in Cayman through a parallel scheme. An important element in taking this decision, I think, is that running a parallel restructuring in Cayman alongside uh, US Chapter 11 is generally not cost prohibitive. The same documents are used for the plan confirmation. They can be rolled out in Cayman with a bit of tweaking, so it's not a case of spending a whole lot of money reinventing the wheel. The heavy lifting is still done in the US, and the Cayman scheme is more of an adjunct rather than an entirely separate process.
1: Thanks, Jason. It's interesting that the decision whether or not to run a parallel restructuring in Cayman largely comes down to risk appetite rather than cost considerations.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. Okay, I think that's all we wanted to cover in today's podcast, which is really just an introduction of the steps which can or should be taken in the Cayman Islands when it comes to a chapter 11 restructuring of a Cayman company. Jess, thanks very much. And for those people listening, if you're interested, please keep an eye out for our masterclass series of articles.
1: Thanks, Jason.